0: everyone welcome to episode 46 of the skeptically inclined science podcast uh, i'm your host evan and i'm tom and welcome wherever you're listening to i hope you're having a brilliant day uh, as we both are super hyped for today um on today's episode tom what are you gonna
1: give give the audience some info about talk to us about i'm gonna talk about a paper about <clears throat> origins of covid as we haven't heard enough <laughs> about that all right and then not not controversial at all no no not at all and uh, sure everybody has their own opinions about where it came from and and such and the other bit it's going to be about uh, big pharma news um mRNA uh, mRNA vaccine for cancer oh okay yeah interesting is it um moderna no it's the BioNTech. Oh, BioNTech,
0: okay. Yeah. Uh, super cool. What about you, Evan? What about you? Yeah, so I'm going to do uh, uh, an overview or an investigative report, I suppose, um, of, I've talked about long COVID before, but I'm going to go into today detail about this new experimental treatment that our, people are trying to um to To get to use to take part in, um, and I'm just kind of give an overview of what this experimental treatment is. Does it work? uh, why people are doing it. And I suppose. Um, ultimately the question is, are, are experimental treatments the answer, or should we be waiting for clinical trials to be done? Um, for long COVID, and I've I got it a a post we posted on our Instagram about the. Uh, I did a questionnaire for people who were suffering from long COVID because I wanted to get some feedback from people about what their experiences were and mm-hmm. would they be willing to take or take part in these trials so, or experimental treatments. So
1: I'll get into that
0: when, uh, when we get to the topic. But uh, Just, yeah, so let me
1: ask you. Let me ask you one question. Did you get actually any responses or are you just going kind to of made up
0: No no I did I posted it on Reddit Interestingly I tried to post it on coronavirus uh Reddit subreddit and I got banned from it so you got banned <laughs> Yeah I they obviously don't like posts about it cuz I say they get so much crap about uh Are you like, consider a heterodox now? <laughs> no I don't <laughs> God I hate that word heterodox fear <laughs> like it's such a for those who don't know,
1: what what would be a heterodox fear? I don't know. Like so, like orthodoxy would be you follow the uh, oh, okay the scientific dogma or the scientific go to list, whereas yeah. the heterodox would kind of they would swim the opposite direction away from yeah the dogma. Oh okay, I don't using like... a using a religious uh, explanation for that.
0: Oh right, okay, because I uh, we we listened to um, was it this the. the go- the, what's the podcast called? The Gurus. Oh, the decoding Gurus. Decoding the Gurus, and your man Chris Kavanagh always uses that <laughs> phrase, the heterodox fear. Yeah, and I'm it's like, I hate. I don't like the word, but I suppose. What else can you use to describe a lot of these? They like de decode. I don't. Is it decode or like? understand these gurus. The
1: mansplain. That's what they're
0: doing. They are okay, mansplaining. mansplaining. And it's just he uses that heterodox for it to describe all these like Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Graham Graham Lindsay, Lindsay. Lindsay, yeah, all Lindsay, these. yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I
1: like the word heterodoxy. So now <laughs> now you're a heterodox. Well I'm not Reddit. we're not going into that at all. No, not at all. I uh I'm that's way above
0: our pay grade, I think. <laughs> Nothing is above our pay pay grade. was well, your week?
1: Yeah. Yeah, go, yeah good, yeah. <laughs> 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 I I want compliment to compliment you on your beautiful garden that I got a chance to see. Uh, you have oh, a lo- oh lovely, yeah. pe- lovely you peppers. Came, you went to see it when you came to visit, yeah. I'm yeah. trying to grow peppers at the moment. It's really good
0: weather today, so I'm getting, hopefully get some good growth and it's rain, but it's like trying to get stuff to grow at the end of October, November, and trying to depend on it to grow is not a good idea. Um, uh, so... <laughs> I Would don't you know how me? much. I don't know. I don't even know like how how big they'll get. They're a little. They're not that big at the moment. So I'm like, how, it's it, not all about the size, but I know. But they should really be ready to come off, and I can take them off. Like at the moment, they're still very much attached. So, mm. um, right. right on that high <laughs> note, let's let us give jump into the news for us. Just jump right into the news. That's it, science uh. news. Oh, yeah, and actually, by the way, we, just b- before you get into it, uh, mm-hmm. we didn't get any of our Nobel uh, predictions right, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, <laughs> surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. If anything, never try to predict the Nobel because... But sure, it's impossible. It's, like the, it's impossible. The odds of well, getting Well, I think the right. science ones are impossible. Maybe the literature and peace, um, like, maybe you could predict them, but, like, the science ones, you just don't know... It doesn't seem to go. Usually, it'd be like what's topical as well. Usually, you could think that, but like they don't seem to care about what's topical at all. Because it has to, it has to pass mm. the test of time. Mm. What was and it was, isn't it? What was the uh, medicine again? It was. Can you? Remember?
1: Of uh, yeah, to figure out how to sequence, uh, archaic oh, DNA. Oh yeah. Basically, yeah. around that. Yeah. And yeah. Its the, your favorite. Your medicine. favorite. Uh, pre-historical human, the Denisov. He was all behind that, wasn't it? <laughs> well i just want to say that the book you gave me about neanderthals really enjoyable so there's that um i, I like i like i like that stuff yeah and i think the chemistry was
0: i think what chemistry was like they were um for ex communication i think or something like that
1: i don't know that i just i don't remember that far back the Actually. mRNA got robbed it, it <laughs> did not it's too early just give it a time <laughs> Just like your garden. Give it the time, okay? Give it the time, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, to sum us, sums it up, we didn't get anything right. Uh, <laughs> surprise, surprise. That didn't discourage us at all. And next year, we will try to predict again. We'll uh, get it right. right once. Yeah, well, we'll be, you'll be saying the mRNA vaccine until, yeah. it, until you get it Isn't right. Isn't it like
0: a broken clock is right twice a day? <laughs> so
1: That's it. There's that, a bit of a folk uh, wisdom <laughs> on you guys here. Okay, let's wrap this up and let's start talking about some more current news. Uh, Pandemic origins uh, of COVID-19. So I don't know how you were thinking about it, but I personally, I was convinced that it was of animal origin and Mm -hmm. that's it. And then somewhere in the third to fourth month of the lockdown, I started entertaining the idea of... Covid escaping from the Wuhan oh, well, Institute so it wasn't of Virology that long into it that you were no I just jumping took it on the conspiracy train I was like I was the first one in there I was like yeah it escaped uh, you <laughs> know so so called uh, lab leak theory never went so far to think that it was engineered but I thought there's a high chance that maybe it has escaped from the lab but mm-hmm. then once again um, I changed my mind to the animal origin story and I kind of stuck with that one but I admit without beating that um, yeah, I was I was at some point I was like, oh yeah, there, it maybe it has escaped. So uh, I don't know. Have you ever hesitated, or were you always oh, uh, definitely? Um,
0: I think I talked about this last season for sure about. Uh, they they like when they did they swabbed the market they could find mm. it on the cages and everything but they could never find it on the from an animal right Um but yeah it's just it's, when you look into it, the the sequence it is a bit some of the details are strange but I suppose look if you go in with a preconceived notion and you find abnormalities you're always going to jump to the conclusion of oh it's a lab leak Uh like it's. And, and it's, it's just fun it's, to it's, talk about it, it. and it's, it is fun to talk about. It. And I think it's all like trying to hate on China, and I think China doesn't help themselves because they are so secretive. So it it is easy to like jump to that conclusions. So, like, I still think it is a an animal origin, mm-hmm. but like, I'll never you can never say. Like, I think what the issue was at the beginning, it was so conclusively ruled out that it was a lab leak when no one knew, and I think it should have been always entertained but then it was with the whole politicization and th- that was yeah. where it all comes st- on, st- on stock, really. So.
1: But anyways, you go ahead. Okay, so back to the paper. So this this scientific news is based on the paper that I have read and was really interesting. It's not a research or review paper, it's a perspective paper written by a number of experts in the field of virology. So it's a collaborative work. And basically they, uh, ret- look, they are looking retrospectively at the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. They're looking retrospectively at other RNA uh, viruses that have um, that were also involved in other uh, outbreaks of infectious diseases, and uh, basically the paper comes down to kind of giving us some sort of guidelines of how to proceed forward in case of next RNA virus-based pandemic. But also, what they're doing in this paper is they're collecting the uh, collecting the available evidence and they're trying to figure out mm, exactly the origin of the, of the, of the virus, um, assuming straight away that it is a, a zo- zootonic mm, type of a spillover rather than lab leak. So in, in this paper, mm, they, uh, they already assume that well they don't assume but they, the evidence points towards it being of animal origin. Mm. So it was uh, it was published on the October, uh, 10th of October, so yeah, tw- 12 days ago. And uh, as I said, it highlights uh, what signs we should be looking out uh, for another um, pandemic which will most likely happen. And um, it is brought to our attention that RNA virus, the paper is bringing to our attention that RNA viruses have been the major source of emerging infectious diseases ever since the beginning of 20th century. Uh, And, you know, it's 20th century because we are able to document things much, much more efficiently, but I'm sure back in the day before 20th century, there were all the RNA based outbreaks, but these of the 20th century, they include the influenza A pandemics, HIV, um, and now COVID-19. The increased frequency of new emerging infectious diseases is driven by many factors from microbial evolution to human and domestic animal population growth, land use and climate changes. And what seems to be the most important thing, the expanding human-animal environment interfaces. How humans are behaving, uh, how we travel and also how we trade. So the emerging infectious diseases hotspots are predominantly in countries with rich rich biodiversity, Dense and growing human populations, rapidly developing economies, depended on transformative land use and expanding livestock and crop production. Heavy emphasis was placed on the expansion of wildlife trade supply and farms with mixed captive bred um, and wild-caught animals as their major cause of spillovers, which means a virus crossing a species from animal to human. So focusing on the COVID-19, the emergence of three coronaviruses causing highly conceptual, consequential, <laughs> consequential human outbreaks in the past two decades point to the importance of the virus family as the future pandemic threat. Common cold coronaviruses have since become endemic in humans, transmitted via respiratory droplets, aerosols or fomites. The emergence of three high the emergence of these three highly conceptual, consequential COVID uh, pandemics, the SARS-CoV, the MERS, and the SARS-CoV-2 in the past two decades is of great testimony to the already mentioned increased risk of spillover events due to the human activity. The ancestral hosts of the SARS-CoV and SARS-CoV-2 viral lineages are thought to be, okay, this is like a hard Latin word for me, uh, Rhinolopus, species of bat, which is a horseshoe bat, which uh, reflects the face of the bat. It looks like a horseshoe. Mm. And also Pipistrellus bat. The name of the genus is derived from the Italian word pipistrello, which means a bat. So not very creative <laughs> in that department. Okay. And for MERS COVID 2, the ancestral host is Neoromycia, which Based, which means uh, microbat. So I look up those bats, and uh, they are very small. So I okay. uh, agree with the name. Wonder where they got that name. <laughs> some some creative name name uh, calling here. But <clears throat> what is what is good is that they already have identified the ancestral host for these coronaviruses. You know, sep- separate for uh, um, separate for the SARS-CoV and separate for the SARS-CoV-2, and also for the mers cov the pathway of emergence of SARS-CoV-2 is still under scrutiny. However, substantial research published before and after the virus emerged indicate that it's likely that it likely to evolve from ancestral bat coronavirus. This statement is based on the body of evidence showing high overall percentage sequence homology with ancestral bat COVID- coronavirus. The thing is
0: is like everyone knows this from a bat,
1: but like was it direct from a bat to human or was there something in between? Oh, yeah, well, like I think they do in this paper they do say that there is a in in between species as well as involved, and they but they don't know they don't know, yeah, that's the frustrating thing. it's like it's all speculation, like well, like no, it's not because if your sequence indicates um a homology, then yeah but like, I'm, what, I'm not deni- I'm not denying it's not in
0: from a bat. Yeah, Yeah. we know it's from a bat because the closest relative is from a bat. But how did it it go from a bat to uh, another animal? Because they're not isolated from any other animal. But it wasn't like a pangillion or something like that? They're speculating. They don't know. They're thinking that because they get sick. I think with COVID, they can catch COVID.
1: Yeah, but for the the people who think that, you know, it's not a bat, like there is another that there is like for people who who rather who don't want to believe that to refuse to accept that it's a bad and they keep falling back on this lab leak uh theory or that it was engineered it's like this is another body of evidence showing like look the origin of the virus start in animal
0: yeah but i think what most people would say is this bat woman mm-hmm. as they call her She was working, had the lab in Wuhan. She was working on the strain in the Wuhan lab, and then it escaped from that because she manipulated it. So, like, what does the paper say? No, see, so they also
1: they also tested for that. The paper also comments on attempt of engineering the SARS-CoV two in the lab and produces counter arguments saying that the failure to detect the evolution of the furin cleavage site and closely related viruses from Laos, after repeated passage in the human cells in vitro, suggests that it was unlikely to have evolved into SARS-CoV-2 during laboratory procedures. Because so they of did try. Yeah, you know how important that furin cleavage site is for, coron- for the yeah. SARS-CoV-2? It's like, it basically, it, it is there to facilitate virus entering um, human cells, just yeah. to put it very simply. So they did try to do that, and like they failed. They couldn't do it themselves, the no. scientists. No. Instead it'd have to be Yeah, but so like, they,
0: they can't say for sure though. They can only speculate and say we think.
1: Yeah, but well they did the ex- based on their experiments, mm. they say like it's either extremely challenging or this just they they couldn't they couldn't, they couldn't do that. It. So so you think like by chance, someone happened, and then by chance, someone released it? Like, how many chances? Like, are we gonna include in this scenario when it's when when to to still entertain the idea that it was a lab leak?
0: Well, I'm more just saying that it could have they could have manipulated enough. Yeah, it could have. it could have come from the moon. I, I can't. <laughs> But like, I'd say, <laughs> I, okay, yeah, fair enough. They it can't, but. It, there's no evidence that it came anywhere near from the lab at all. They tr- only they to have is they have that, that they knew they were working with that strain that's the most closely related. Um but yeah, it's just um there's no it just it's just a pity that there's no way of like testing the lineage. Like where did they acquire this this cleavage site? How did it yeah, accla- they, like what was well, the they, pressure they that caused just, it? Like well, yeah, it you would just think be the random. pressure would be it was like encountering human cells that meant that if something acquired
1: this mutation, it would get selected out because it could survive, it would invade Yeah, the but cells. what if what if it was just a spontaneous mutation that happened and it kind of and it just stayed there because it wasn't causing any benefit or disadvantage. So it's just remained yeah. in the in the it genome. Sort of and thought, then thought and then one yeah. when, when it entered the, the human it was like, Oh look, this is the this mutation actually has a advantage. Again, by just a random event, you know? Yeah, it could be. But
0: I'm just saying there is no proof either way. There's no conclusive proof. Like, you have to say that, like just to, do, to what? That there's no, pr- there's no proof. You can't say conclusively it definitely was an animal from an animal because there's no proof. You're, this is only pure speculation because it's like... There's, because there's lack of evidence that we can do it in the lab, it doesn't you can't mean that? all oh, we can rule it out then. That's what I'm just saying. All I'm just saying, like, why don't you accept that the the I'm, that I'm, it, I, it is coming it, from I'd a say wild bag? It's a, yeah, but like that doesn't mean it couldn't be manipulated in a lab and released. But they said they said they couldn't do the they couldn't manipulate it enough that it wouldn't that it could require this cleavage. The furin cleavage, site, yeah. Yeah, so I'm just saying, just because they couldn't do it, doesn't mean that they, the Muhammad the lab, they couldn't have done it. Okay. Like I'm not saying that it happened. I and I must pro- and I d- I do believe it most probably was an animal option th- from an animal that it came. But I'm just saying we have no evidence for the animal. We've no evidence for the lab. We don't have the yeah, evidence for more- the intermediate am- animal. Yeah. Is yeah. That what you- okay. I'm just saying we can't like it's
1: more likely but we can't rule it out okay but would you agree that it is more likely if not confirmed that this virus have not been engineered or do you still would say that it was you would still agree that it was engineered from the scratch well like it, it, the ha- the closest the closest virus
0: resembling Car- so, SARS-CoV-2 was the one that isolated from the bat cave that yeah. the, the bat woman had been working on who works in Wuhan so like, what's why would you say why would you say oh Then th- there's no chance it's related to the the COVID that what broke out out
1: that started the whole pandemic. I just I just I just kind of I just don't see how they how they could have done it like and how irresponsible like just the why do level you not of- think they could have done it? I I think look I,
0: I yeah I think it would have been very very challenging. Technically, but like it was shown in reports that the, I think it was in the American government showing there was like safety concerns in for that Wuhan lab. Like they were saying there was
1: concerns raised about the safety. So I'm just saying, Yeah, but was it were the concerns raised because it is China or was the concerns raised because they were there were actual concerns like raised. I think Yeah, but like
0: this is what this was kind con- this was what was reported. Like in fairness, maybe it was they were trying to find an angle, and this is what they came out with. And yeah, I, yeah I, look, I don't know, um, but I'm just saying we won't we we won't know. I don't think we'll ever find out. Now they, the World Health Organization went and they investigated, and they said it, but like they don't give enough evidence. There's no not enough evidence to say it's definitely not a lab. Like that's what I'm just saying. It's all. It's this whole thing is it seems more they don't want it to believe they want it to seem like an animal and there is a lot of evidence but there's not you can't conclusively root it out
1: that's what but I'm saying th- so you only you're only gonna be convinced if they're gonna find it exactly from an animal all from of an, the what, where did the animal
0: okay more no I'm just where saying Where was the animal <laughs> I'm just saying can they find where the animal was and they were able to track how it changed we've nothing uh, nothing just from on the ca- that's from the cages and from the the environmental side but we still don't know what animal it was that's i think why, why I think is that so difficult why is that so uh
1: why is that not a necessary step to to have i i think you grossly underestimate the body of evidence we have and you just i i know <laughs> I don't you know. probably i think you would like to see i think that's what i'm hearing from you is like you would like to see Every little you step need to of be the sceptical. story. That's all uh, this is the whole You podcast. do, but there are there are limits. Because otherwise you're just gonna be skeptical of whether not, you know, this is reality you, I or this thing. Like,
0: How do you not think there's a, how do you think there's enough evidence? Or how can you there's enough enough evidence to root it out?
1: But I mean I just well, okay, maybe I'm not like you you still have to consider that something something else could be there, but like overwhelmingly like it seems like it's an animal origin and just happened. To, it happened to be a spillover into humans because not only that you have the animals, you would, you you had the right environment within the the wet markets. Yeah, yeah. You 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 trace the people to the wet markets. Yeah. And it just seems like if it looks like a dog and it quacks like a dog. Yeah, but I'm prob- just saying you, we have to be. Uh, we still hunt... We have to be
0: open about it and you can't unless we can get the evidence from an animal or some kind of genetic evolution then i'm like we still have we have to you can't conclusively rule it out that's all i'm saying but i think there was like a paper in nature on the genetic evolution of COVID. they said that, that came out i remember there was one like that came out very re- uh, soon after the pandemic and they said it was they they came out and then a lot of scientists signed it, but they were there was a lot of doubts put over it because the guy who was who was one of the guys who signed yeah. that uh, was involved in that paper. He was indirectly involved with Wuhan that that uh, coronavirus institute, and he it was like, why was he so st- quick to rule it out? Was it not a conflict of interest? Like he obviously doesn't want it to come out that if one, he was working with a lab giving funding america was giving funding for a lab that was doing this work and i'm not trying to sound conspiratorial at all but it's just just like what but why was he trying what like there was at that stage there was still no evidence either way. And like, we come out with like, oh no, it was definitely, it definitely had to be from animal. There's no way it came from a lab leak. It's like, but well, where's the evidence to say that? Why? Why is there, There's no, but no proper investigation. No one's gone to China to like, look into it. And, uh, it and I think like it a- just, I just, I don't I think it was the whole, the whole thing is like, when Trump came out and said, oh, it was a China leak, then everyone just dismissed it. And whereas, and I know I'm not saying it. I would have dismissed it, but it just saying it wasn't. There
1: wasn't enough work done to dismiss it. Um, I, I love how you brought President Trump into it, into your, into this, into everything, making it political again, Evan. Okay, I I'm see just- where it's happening, but let me tell you. Okay this, look I think Wuhan, we're spending no, too okay, long no, just one thing just one thing cuz you and just one thing uh, the the Wuhan lab the the Wuhan uh, virology lab like it's not this, this is not some like hellbilly lab on the top of the hill on the top of the hill like it's an m- international lab making collaborations with loads of top top tier virologists like so it will be hard to find a scientist out there that did not have a collaborative work with that place because of the nature of the place. It's not only states, but like Israel, Canada, all the yeah, other but countries. But he was uh, not, but like that's, it's different. I think he was involved
0: with the Wuhan lab and he got, he was getting funding for the lab. So it just seemed a bit suspicious. Why was he coming out to defend it and rule out this when he was, had a conflict of interest? He had a conflict of interest and I don't think he disclosed the d- interest he had in the Wuhan lab. That's that's just what people were saying. Or you were really are an investigative <laughs> little scientist on their I, I was I was just I there's been a lot, so much written about this. Like Okay. Fair so, f- fair play. Fair Um for like, everyone, yeah, go on. No, no, I just yeah, I'm just the paper obviously but it didn't it's does it really have any anything new that apart from like, oh, we've done the experiments, it's really difficult to prove like, yeah. yeah,
1: they have guidelines for how oh, for the future, uh, for the future, how it should be managed. They have um, they have a section about scientific misconception and how it should be uh, uh, how counter how what what should be the counter response to uh, scientific misinformation and uh, just, you know, general guidelines for the future and. Um, Okay, well you, you you certainly have undermined the value of this paper in my eyes now so but I as- think actually uh, i because I was reading that book about
0: coronaviruses they yeah. were talked about the pandemic and they had a guy he's like a coronavirus expert um who was doing work um in COVID- coronaviruses and he was trying to find um because they the next pandemic could again be another coronavirus so he was trying to come up with a drug that they could use that could wouldn't matter what the coronavirus was what what it what shape it was how how it would affect well like it was still going to be a respiratory infection but like whatever shape and form it took that they'd be able to use a drug that would be able to counteract it and uh the two it, it was the end of the book and they had done it was like they finally found this drug that we, it doesn't matter what pandemic happens we'll be able to it'll be able to use this drug and it turned out the drug was that malin Okay, so the drug was mal malnupiravir. It was the one that was developed by Merck that you can produce to prevent getting COVID nineteen. And now there's research that's after coming out that says it doesn't matter if you take it or not; that it doesn't prevent. uh you're still likely equal. You're still likely to be hospitalized if you take either drug, a placebo or the malnupiravir. So, um, is there <laughs> enough body of evidence? Sir? Blah, blah blah blah. Well, I just it just so now. uh this all this work that he did just showed that it didn't matter so we're still as <laughs> susceptible as ever for
1: the next coronavirus pandemic I just, so i just i just want to say that no matter what experiment you do and what project you do and negative <laughs> data is still a valuable data so don't yeah. say that it didn't matter okay because oh no apparently- it did matter but i'm just saying they were yeah. like this is going to be
0: the thing that's going to solve the next pandemic and whatever the the risk is going to be so low but uh, in the end, it didn't matter. <laughs> uh, but maybe in the future, who knows? It might be more pr- effective. But for COVID nineteen, it didn't didn't wasn't maybe effective maybe more <laughs>
1: effective. Yeah, didn't matter. Wasted um, your time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what was the other? Was there something? Uh, like? Yeah, just a footnote. A, a big pharma news. So when we say Pfizer and BioNTech, we we automatically start thinking mRNA COVID vaccine. And uh, the BioNTech is, was actually the uh, a, a startup company that partnered up with Pfizer to mm, to, that to produce. That everyone forgets it. about. <laughs> yeah, everyone does. And they actually had the the know how and the experience in uh, mRNA va- uh, vaccines. And the BioNTech is the is a wife and husband team who actually co-founded it. And they announced that a cancer vaccine could be widely available within the next decade. So let's nice. say by twenty thirty. So. Professor Ozlem Türeci, she's the co-founder, one of the co-founders, she said, yes, we feel that the cure for cancer or to changing cancer patients' lives is in our grasp. And her husband, Professor Uguru Sahin, said the cancer vaccine, which would build up upon breakthrough achievements by the scientists during the development of COVID-19 vaccine, may be widely available within just eight years. So there is not an actual experimental data that they have released to back it up. It was more kind of a a press release. They had an interview with the the BBC and I think with the New York Times. Um, The hope is that the vaccine currently in development would train the body to recognize the attack uh, cancer and attack cancer using mRNA technology. The goal that we have is that, again, that's quoting uh, Sahin, he says, the goal that we have is that we can use the individualized vaccine approach to ensure that directly after the surgery, patients receive a personalized, individualized vaccine, and we can induce an mm. immune response that so the T cells in the body of the patient can screen, for, screen the body for remaining tumor cells and ideally eliminate the tumor cells. Interesting. Not really sure how is this is still a vaccine if the mm, cancer yeah. is already there. But it's more like um, you prime it, I think.
0: Isn't it, is it that you take out the T cells, you prime it with this antigen, and then you put them back into the body? I think that's is that how it will work after chemo. Or you would, or or you no. would
1: want to prime the T cells as they are. I don't know, they don't I think go that into must the like, body. The... Ha- I don't know how else they would, unless you can inject it in, but to the body. Because we, already, we already take out the T cells to make the CAR T cells you know they're yeah, being that's what re- I was re-engineered would
0: it, be, would it be something like that where they just expose it i think well, the I,
1: problem is isn't it
0: with the vaccines with these cancer ones is because they um they're so primed that they, they i think it's like fatigue the t cells suffer from so that mm. they they lose their effectiveness so i think you need to like reprime them because the the cancer immune the environment is able to like dampen yeah. it down so I think you need to switch off that distamping of the immune response to get the so that the the
1: immune cells the cancer cells are all removed. Well, I think um, it's important to say that they do recognize that it has to be like an individualized and personalized mm, vaccine. That's really yeah, that's really interesting. Like it just shows that whole field. Yeah, is that's the I
0: say, I know we were t- we talked about what's the next big field? I think that individual medicine for cancer,
1: that's gonna blow up. Moving away from this concept of the magic bullet—that yeah. have the one drug that can deal with everything—but like, it's like, how feasible is it going to be? Are we go- able to going to have labs? Ten, y- are, ten years is a lot of time to get it done. Yeah, yeah, technically. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah and the, the science
0: we- have to the the commercial science is going to have to step up to like hmm. provide this kind of a treatment rather than just um, as it is now in in labs where it's very much people are trying in, to go over a grants yeah well it's, most of this work is in research labs and you're going to need commercial labs to do this work and it's like how can they will they be able to step up and do it so
1: yeah well fingers crossed for yeah, uh, for the bio and tech uh power couple definitely yeah <laughs> Will uh, hopefully some the true couple, <laughs> some more substantial news will uh, come out. Both both of them have uh, quite high positions within the fields of immunology, mm. and and just yeah. So they what definitely they do? know what, do you think what they do. About. Like as
0: a for a relaxing day, like in the evening, or like they've done a I, hard day of science, they want to chill out. Are you telling me they're not
1: binging the, the House <laughs> of Dragon? How's the trial? Yeah, I wonder. Are they <laughs> oh like? What do they do to like wind down? Uh, like, i bet you like. Oh, let's read this book from the 15th it. century or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, for I sure. Different breed of people from uh, <laughs> me and uh, me and you, I'd say. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's, That's it? it. Thanks for that. I hope I didn't um, shit no, you on you. Did. Your, did no, no, you did. No, no, you did. You did. Thanks for that. Uh, I was very hyped for today, and I just feel my energy dropping down. But yeah, <laughs> thanks, mate. Love talking to you. <laughs> no worries. Give you a bit of dose of realism, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so
0: then on to my main story about um long covid, what's going on, what's this, is there experimental treatment what is it and where is it going. So the reason I wanted to cover this is because I do feel like the long covid patients are being forgotten and i feel i was just reading with interest what what was going on in the field like what are pa- patients doing and i just seen that they're doing taking these experimental treatments and i'm like is this the right thing to do um but then at the same time i'm like there is these poor patients have nothing else going for them they're desperate we should be allowing it but then at the same time i'm like should we be doing clinical trials so it's kind of like i don't think there's a right answer for it but i just wanted to give our audience uh an overview of what's going on and um i don't want to see what
1: you're talking of it as well tom um, are these experimental experimental treatments are they being developed in the shed in the back garden or <laughs> what do you mean no no but
0: they we'll, we'll get into it we'll get okay, into it okay so Okay, maybe just to start off, I'll give the case definition then for long COVID, which the World Health Organization has come up with. So, post COVID nineteen condition, which they call it, occurs in individuals with a history of probable or confirmed SARS CoV two infection, usually three months from the onset of COVID nineteen with symptoms, and that with symptoms and that lasts for at least two months and cannot be explained by an alternative diagnosis common symptoms include fatigue shortness of breath cognitive dysfunction but also others and generally have sorry cognitive dysfunction <laughs> but also others Uh, symptoms and generally have an impact on everyday functioning symptoms may be new onset following initial recovery from an acute COVID-19 episode or persist from the initial illness so they can be either new or they can be just prolonged uh, symptoms Uh, and the symptoms can fluctuate or relapse over time like when we got COVID as well over the summer Mm -hmm. I had like a cough that got worse at the end of my COVID uh, Mm -hmm. infection and it, it prolonged for like a month afterwards so i don't know was it could you classify it as long COVID? i did no. get over in the end but like yeah it was kind of weird to think i was like in my head like oh my god am i going to have this cough for how long it w- it took forever for me to get over it i just didn't understand as well because my symptoms were not severe so but all it, you it, it leaves cough- a lot of people cough. confused about it sorry all you have all you had is cough yeah but like was cough. it was just i couldn't it was always like a tickly thing in my throat or in my chest and it was just like yeah you just not it's the uncomfortable, I suppose, and you're it kind of like, I'm not really fully recovered yet. So, oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, But now as well, like the World Organization and the head of it, Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, uh, his name. <laughs> <laughs> Hope so I didn't international. slaughter that. Um, <laughs> he said long COVID is devastating the lives and livelihoods of tens of millions of people and wreaking havoc on health systems and economies and he's warned that countries need to launch immediate and sustained efforts to tackle the very serious crisis. Covid has killed almost 6.5 million people and it's infected more than 600 million. I like don't know anyone who actually I do know two people at work who haven't ever got covid. I don't know how. Um but I think everyone that knows at this stage someone who has got covid. Um yeah. so the World Health Organization estimates that 10 to 20% of survivors have been left with mid and long-term symptoms such as fatigue, breathlessness and cognitive dysfunction. So like 10 to 20% of 600 million like that's a significant number. Um stark research published this month suggests that as many as 17 million people in Europe alone may have experienced long covid symptoms during the first 2 years of the pandemic. So that's a huge number of people mm-hmm. that are still struggling. There's no test for long COVID. Its precise causes remain mysterious and little is known about how it interacts with other medical and physical condition. This This poses particular challenges for scientists, public health providers and politicians because they don't know how to tackle it. If a person is severely fatigued and unable to work, for example, there's no lab test, x-ray, CT scan or MRI that points to something and says, oh, there's inflammation here and that's the reason for the fatigue. We don't know what the mechanisms for this brain fog, one of the common symptoms, seems to be. Uh, And it's like, how can someone who is very sharp intellectually and very energetic all of a sudden can't concentrate for more than half an hour on anything? And like people who were running marathons, they can't even have any exercise tolerance anymore um so it's it's kind of it's scary how little is known as i said i've said this before and the research is just so um into it is very stark i'll, I'll give an overview of mm-hmm. the research at the end of this um i looked on clinicaltrials.gov to see what's been what's actually in trial right now and it's actually very disappointing um so I like to get an understanding of like what's going on in the public. Just to get for my for this podcast, mm-hmm. I I did a questionnaire a poll, just put it out there to see like what, what what's going on for people and mm-hmm. and would they be willing to do the experimental trials that I was treatment as I was saying. So, like, what do you uh, what what would you expect from the questionnaire? Do you think?
1: <laughs> well,
0: yeah, okay, maybe the first one I don't know. Just more go male or ma- male or female. I think males are more affected, right? No, more females are affected. Really? So in our th- in our poll or questionnaire, okay. um fifty just under sixty percent were women and just uh over thirty six percent were male. And there was a slight one person didn't want to say if they're a male or female. Okay. Um, but I thought
1: COVID was more likely to affect men than well, women. It
0: men are more likely to die, but women were more likely <laughs> to get this long COVID symptoms. That was okay. how it worked out. Cool. Okay. Um and by the way, I think this this is a biased poll because I'm obviously was asking people what their this was self reported. So they're obviously might be more say they're more worse than they yeah. are. Um and uh, I, I got this b- predominantly most results from Reddit so again it was skewed to younger people not to the older people who wouldn't be able to access it. So that's why like for the age range it was uh, m- it was actually for the 20 to 30 year olds mm-hmm. it was the highest amount Okay. Um. so there was 45.5% the next highest was 31 to 40 so that was 31.8% and then the next was 51 to 60 so uh, in this great age range, it seemed like a lot of people who were affected were 20 to 30. So that was kind of like surprising, like a y- young people mm-hmm. were being the ones who were affected. But that just could be a, a fold in sample. Yeah, in exactly. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, and then like how long have they been suffering? The largest answer was over a year they've been suffering from symptoms, which is crazy that it's, take, it's this long that they've been suffering from it sounds exhausting exactly yeah Yeah. um what was it four to six was four to six months i think that it was nearly an even split between four to six months and six to 12 months it was like 22.7 for six to 12 and then 27.3 for four to six and so most of them were nearly over four months having these symptoms and most of them it was after their first infection um it was 81.8 after the first and 18.2 after the second and as well the, we've talked about this as well on the podcast. Would you be more likely to less likely to get long COVID after being vaccinated? So in this poll, 68.2% were vaccinated, where only 31.8 were not. So you were more likely to get it. Well, were, I, I wouldn't say actually that. That's true. That's a fair thing to say because there's more people vaccinated. Um, so obviously the odds of you getting long COVID are higher just because there are more people vaccinated. So I think the no group, which is 31.8, was more, it's um, a higher, because there's less like, there's less people vaccinated, but yet there's still a higher representation in this poll mm-hmm. to have long COVID. So again, I, I suppose that, that's kind of suggests that, again, if you're not vaccinated, you're more likely to get um uh, long COVID because like, if it was a proportion to the population who's vaccinated, this should be way lower than no percentage. Yeah. If you get what I mean. I think I do. And then, um, again, a lot of the time as well, they were new symptoms, like 77.3% there were new symptoms and 227 were extension of symptoms. So a lot of time you have your normal infection like I did. I didn't even have a cough when I had COVID and then it just came out of
1: nowhere, just longer new, cough. So it's, it's strange. New symptom, new symptom to be classified as a long COVID does it has to appear like let's say after your quarantine is finished or like how do you know it's a long um, covid symptom and i it's think not- it's i uh that's a good question i don't know for sure um okay. i think it most probably was out of your isolation period maybe so you leave your um, isolation you're trying to live your life and then you get this annoying cough out of nowhere yeah and it's like oh it must most likely it's a long covid yeah Um, I won't go into all the
0: symptoms, but predominantly the most common symptoms were fatigue, Mm -hmm. um, brain fog, and headaches. So So like neurological, yeah, neurological. Um, they and again, fifty percent said the burden of COVID has put on them is quite significant. So it it has had a significant effect uh and yeah. they've, they uh, and 72.7% said, said they've not re- felt they've received adequate treatment from their local doctor um and 18.2 said somewhat and then 9.1% said yes so some people did think it but predominantly it was negative response uh and then i said as well how, how do you feel you have been forgotten 63.6% said they did feel they've been forgotten in the response to long COVID and mm-hmm. 364 said no so like it's a weird thing because like we've moved on everyone's moved on with their lives but this COVID thing is still in the background it's not over yeah and like this is still a thing that could happen and I think no country has really like even come out and acknowledged it or be like we need to protect these people like it, they're just forgotten I, I really think I really feel sorry these
1: people. Okay, I didn't know you were so compassionate towards. Okay, <laughs> that's interesting, go I, on.
0: I'm okay. a caring person. Okay, I'm learning um, new things about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy to think like... Yeah, I have the guardians, the um, empathy. Okay, keep going. <laughs> so, um, so what's happening? So what's mm-hmm. going on? Wh- what are people, do? patients doing? Because they feel like they've forgotten, there's not adequate treatments, people are deciding to go for these experimental treatments because they're so desperate to get yeah, some kind of help t- for it. Tell me what are those now? <laughs> You're, you want well know right now. I just so want to know. Patients with long COVID are desperately travelling to private clinics in Cyprus, Germany and Switzerland, the golden trio for great getting great treatment, I'd say, for <laughs> experimental treatment, um, for blood-filtering, apheresis and anticoagulation drugs. Um, so... I'll give a, some, a story from this woman. She's from the Netherlands. Her name was Gitte. She was infected with SARS-CoV-2 in November 2020. And she was tired for weeks afterwards. But she talked it up to the virus. But soon she was experienced such extreme fatigue that it took her two hours to walk to the kitchen to make breakfast. She had brain fog. Heart palpitations was short of breath. Often felt sick. Um, and battery tests, as I said, they found nothing wrong with her heart or lungs. And she was just sent back to her GP. And she had to end up leaving her job in November 2021 because she just couldn't go back. Mm-hmm. So what she did was she joined a group, uh Facebook group, as you do, for uh, long COVID. And they discussed about traveling to Germany for apheresis. So apheresis, it's a process known as blood washing, uh, uh, if you want to call it that. It's like a, a layman term. So it involves inserting large needle into the veins and the blood is filtered removing lipids and inflammatory proteins. So this is actually done. It's recommended by the German Society of Nephrology as a last resort if you have a lipid disorder. So there was a new clinic offering this treatment in Cyprus. It was known as as the Long COVID Center. So she decided to travel there and give it a try. Uh, And two months later, she was back at home. She had spent €15,000 and she had no improvement in her symptoms, which is kind of sad to say. Um, I just feel sorry for this lady now, but yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah, she had, she was desperate and she was willing to try anything, and it ended up getting her nowhere. Yeah, and she's only one of thousands
1: traveling to try this aphoresis to treat their long COVID. But where is sorry to interrupt you? Like, where is this aphoresis idea coming from? Like, who said it works? So, um, what they've found is that
0: uh, when we it, so they. The I, actually, well, I'll get to that. Okay. I'll get to it eventually. Maybe it's no spoilers. The, the flow of the story will make more sense. But there okay. is some. It's not that they're putting it out of their ass. There is some kind of research that's done very liberally with your language today. Okay, keep going. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so she Gita is only one of the thousands traveling to get their these treat uh, centers to get their Long Covid treatment treatment. Uh, And many are prescribed anti-clotting drugs on a hypothesis that the symptoms of long COVID are caused by small clots in the blood that are blocking the flow of oxygen through capillaries. Uh, I don't know, a bit of a stretch, I suppose, but... Sure, we have something to go by. Yeah, because there is clotting caused by COVID infection, so this is where they kind of think maybe it's happening. Um, Although some doctors and research believe that the apheresis and anticoagulation drugs are maybe promising treatments for long COVID, others worry that desperate patients are spending life-changing sums on invasive, unproven treatments. In most European countries, doctors can offer experimental treatments or off-label drugs to patients if they believe there's a benefit, explain the risks, and they obtain consent. But some experts are criticised that these long COVID centres consent process is unsatisfactory as it doesn't make it clear that these are experimental treatments for long COVID. They're not proven, there's no trials to back it. Yeah. And the consent form asks patients to sign sign away their right to sue the clinic if they exactly. become injured or after having aphoresis So again, it's not it's not ethical because why would it's you need awful. to sign up Yeah, why would you need to sign that away when Exactly uh, if it's if, if you're wor- that worried about it. Um, and it's not surprising to see people who are now debilitated by long COVID who can't work or financially support themselves seeking treatment elsewhere because there's nothing to help them in their health system right now. But yeah, people are, can go bankrupt because of this with limited evidence of effectiveness. Uh, and this is the thing, like, question, should experimental treatment only occur in the context of a clinical trial? Like, what do you
1: think? First it, it is unacceptable that people are spending 15,000 or probably even more to get like a done on them. That, that's ridiculous in my opinion like and that shouldn't be allowed in general anywhere. It's but like what, what what's the right way to go about it then for these people who have not I know I know like there isn't as you said there's no right or wrong answer here it's it's absolutely horrible that that these people have to go through this and we don't have anything that could help them but like the only legitimate way forward i see this happening is getting through clinical trials or even not even clean i don't think we can move on to clinical trials now we just have to understand the disease and it's not gonna happen overnight you know it's just not how it works and it's horrible that these people are are left to themselves i don't know if there is any form of palpative treatment you know just to kind of take away the um, the symptoms or anything like that i don't know if if anything is being if if they can be subscribed anything for just just to deal with the symptoms mm. not with the root cause of the yeah. of the disease but you know, nobody's gonna find an answer overnight, like, it, you just have to start with the fundamental research, if so little mm. is known about the disease, and then go through the, there is a reason why there is so much checks in place, and so many paper signing before you you get a go ahead to do anything, because you want to be as certain as possible that, you know, you asking the right questions, and you go in the right direction. And what you do is scientifically and ethically fine. And like, Buying a ticket to Cyprus to get your apheresis done, like that's just ridiculous. Go to your go to your uh, uh, blood donation center, donate your platelets through apheresis, and you're gonna get exactly the same treatment for free, and you're gonna help someone with the plate who who needs to get platelets. Although I don't know if you can donate with long COVID, but like that's literally what happens. <laughs>
0: You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's what you like, do in IBTS. Like, yeah. how
1: could you. But no, Tom, don't worry. It's not just apheresis. So. Uh, but, like, this is outrageous. I don't <laughs> know who. Like, how is this allowed that these people are spending. I know they're desperate, but that's literally someone is. What's the word? Like, someone is uh, capitalizing on humans' despair. It's disgusting.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh, my well, take. They on it. would see it from all the older perspective. But anyways, we'll we'll okay. continue. So, as I said, it's not just a So she would travel. Gitta would. She spent two months in Cyprus. Mm-hmm. She would travel once or twice a week to the long COVID center for the apheresis, I said, and these add-on treatments such as hyperbaric oxygen, so basically breathing in oxygen in a higher pressure room, and intravenous vitamin infusions. As we all know, that's definitely going to help. Um. So these, uh the, the the type of apheresis she gets is called L- LCC, where the blood is passed over a heparin filter, filter mm-hmm. and this filters out the unwanted lipids and proteins, and it supposedly reduces the stickiness of the blood and improves the microcirculation. This is what they say. Um, and it's usually as I said, it's usually used as a last resort for patients with lipid disorders. That have not responded to other treatments, and basically your needles are put into each arm. It's passed over the the blood is passed over the heparin filter, separating the red blood cells from the plasma. And the plasma is filtered before re- being recombined, and then she was given a, diff- a treatment memo to start taking anticoagulation therapy of aspirin, clap clopiduro- clopidodrel it's a an antiplatelet medication it's usually used to reduce the risk of heart disease and stroke and she got an intravenous infusion of an anticoagulant and an antiviral up to twice a week and then before she left she was told to buy three months worth of these drugs before she left like i don't think people realize anticoagulants are dangerous like so she's on aspirin now there. This is one of the other things, as well as the phlebitis, that they take anticoagulants because you don't want clots to form because most probably the post-viral symptom is causing the clots. But I think this to have this woolly-nilly prescribing this in the centre is quite dangerous because if you cut yourself or you are involved in an accident, you can bleed out super easy. Like I mean, women
1: experience irregular bleeding. Yeah, yeah, and then exactly. load them up with aspirin. Is it? Is that? Is this like? is this a is spoof like is no this is, this is
0: real Listen, but like this is this is what's this is people grifters see this uh, opportunity once um once they see there's enough people who are willing to try it and there is, is there a huge any- amount of people um look we'll get i'll get there okay so um and yeah of, of course to top it off she was told again as well to buy 10 days worth of hydro. Troxychloroquine as well as an early treatment package in case she was reinfected with SARS-CoV-2. So again, if they're prescribing that, then you're like, if they're wrong, if they're wrong about that, then what else are they wrong what about? What
1: is going on there?
0: Um, and as well, like the consent form as well had a lot of spelling and ma- mistakes and grammatical errors, and like a lot of this is again, it said in the the form, it, you the patient have to waive any claims that they might have against the center and employees for any personal injury loss or death arising from the resulting of this treatment. And this actually wouldn't be valid in Ireland anyways because you would be due to their negligence, which they haven't minimized the risk. So, and they didn't, again, don't exper- emphasize the experimental nature. They all are so positive, like, oh, you're going to get better, you're going to defeat this, so. Jesus. So where did this treatment come from? Like, who who set up this long COVID treatment center? So all it stones. was bi- Uh, yeah so it's a group um, so it's a the Facebook page is called Apheresis Association sounds legit Uh, (laughs) and the association was set up and run by an Austrian Austrian businessman Marcus Klotz Um, yeah so he he decided to set up the long COVID center after having had the condition himself and trying to find a range of treatments including (laughs) HIV medication antivirals and supplements Mm mm-hmm he flew to Mulheim, West Germany, for apheresis and anticoagulant, to, uh, anticoagulation therapy after hearing this woman, Beta Yeager, who runs the Lipid Center in North Rhine, talking about the treatment on the radio. Jaeger is an internal medicine doctor, and she had read reports saying that COVID causes problems with blood clotting and believed that sh- the treatment itself could be used. In those with long covid so this is where she got the idea from and she was the one doing the treatment Go do you know on. what
1: this whole thing sounds what? what's what's the name of this uh austrian fella again marcus klutz yeah have you seen doctor strange the which one the first one the very first one uh, i don't think i have seen that okay one. so basically quick story yeah he is a very rich person gets into accident spends all of his fortune looking for experimental treatment to fix him ends up in the magical castle yeah <laughs> This right. is literally real-life Dr. Strange, like some loaded billionaire just <laughs> randomly like randomly tries to every single random thing that could fix him and he just ends up in Germany getting apheresis. <laughs> like, yeah. can this story it's- be any more random? <laughs> so she, this
0: is, um, so the woman Beatrice, sorry, Beatrice Jaeger, she talked to colleagues hoping that they would allow her to treat COVID patients in intensive care wards in Germany, but was denied permission and she tried to get her hypothesis published in a German medical journal but was rejected so in February 2021 the relatives of two of her cardiovascular patients who have been suffering from long COVID agreed to undergo this apheresis Um, and Yeager said their their symptoms improved just after a few sessions she treated around 60 patients for free to see if she was on the right track or not and found that the treatment extremely successful she says in quotes she, has, she told the, the British Medical Journal she had now treated thousands in her clinic with success stories stra- spreading on social media and by word of mouth. Oh my God. Did and she publish she, in bio-archives? Or anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> no, she has not published. Um, yeah, so she treats the lung COVIDs with this aphoresis. It's called help aphoresis, which she says reduces the viscosity of the blood and improves organ perfusion. And she also offers plasma plasmapheresis which filters out auto antibodies out of the blood and she regularly puts patients on a triple anticoagulant treatment made up of drugs including aspirin clopidodrel apixaban, ac- heparin dabigatran, and with patients flying back to Germany periodically for the prescriptions and she says in case reports and television news or television television interviews, she has had patients with long COVID who came into the clinic in a wheelchair who are unable to walk after the treatment and patients, people who couldn't walk, who now are able to jog. So it's very, it seems very like. Right, she's a second coming com- of Jesus. Com- convincing. Yeah. She's like, wow, they, it's so, the case reports are so uh, promising and so good that, why wouldn't anyone who's suffering from long COVID, they would just see that. And I'm like, look, I'm desperate. I'm going to try it. Um, I don't
1: believe this person for a second.
0: She says that she agrees that the treatment is experimental, but said trials take too long when the pandemic has left so many people desperately ill. So where what is the evidence? Where is she pulling this out of, as right. you were looking for? So there is a paper A paper. They point to research by Atheresia Pretorius. I butchered your name, sorry. Is it Greek paper, is it? (laughs) No, she's a professor in physiological sciences at Stellenbosch University, South Africa. Mm -hmm. And They use this to justify treating long COVID patients with aphoresis and triple anticoagulation. Pretoria's group has published a peer-reviewed study, review articles and preprints that hypo- hypo- hypothesized that microclots present in the plasma of people with long COVID could be responsible for most long COVID symptoms. Um, they filed a provisional patent for Pretoria's method of detecting microclots through fluorescent microscopy. Mm-hmm. And her lab is working on a diagnostic tool that could ha- detect, could detect microclots and be rolled out in hospital pathology laboratories worldwide. A fundraising page set up by supporters has raised $161 to support the project and Jaeger herself has bought a €200,000 microscope for her clinic and she pays license fees so that she can use it. So they're pointing to this research that they were able to detect microclots using fluorescent microscopy in these long COVID patients. Um, But as, these, as experts have pointed out, more research is still needed to understand how these microclots form. We don't know why they are forming in COVID, long COVID. Yeah. And whether they actually are causing the symptoms because potentially the microclots could be just a biomarker for a disease. I've talked about biomarkers before. Um, it could be just, they could be just there, but they're it's not that they're causing yeah, what is disease. Dreaming, it could be something else that's causing the microclots and the microdots are just a causal indication or a causal um association it's not actually uh associated with the yeah. disease so you kind of like it's it's a, maybe it's a indicative of the disease but it's not it's not to say that's causing the symptoms and i think that's for important for people to know um yeah like if you don't know the mechanism you can't really design a treatment to de- to take away the microclots and it's all okay then. Um, And to say that it doesn't have risks isn't true because apheresis and triple anticoagulation increase the risk of bleeding. And as of yet, there's no published and peer reviewed evidence that apheresis and anticoagulation therapy reduce the microclots. So... All the only the evidence they have right now is just so that there is microclots in the long COVID that they contact with fluorescence microscope. They're just going, Oh, if we get rid of the microclots, it's gonna improve the symptoms, but there is no link for that. Yeager has said that carrying out a randomized control trial would be ideal, but that she does not have the money, says it costs millions. I'm not rich enough to do it, unfortunately. (coughs) She has tried to persuade companies to fund trials and has set up an international research collaboration looking into treatments for long covid but the follow-up care is often is lacking, as it should be given in a supervised way by clinicians with triple anticoagulation regimes, potentially having devastating consequences if someone falls or has an injury or, as people, have their monthly... Menstruation. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So many patients have said that their home countries will not prescribe such regimes. So, yeah, it's...
1: Here, it's, here I want to say that I agree heard that there should be a, a clinical trial put in place for that because that if you have that then all the doubts are being kind of um, yeah whether con- confirmed or or rejected and it's a pity that uh, you know the companies or pharma places they don't want to invest money in that because okay admittedly it sounds a little bit um, outrageous the thing that she wants to do like how is it possibly could work and i can see how company companies would be like were we not investing money in the clinical trial that will most likely fail no. oh, okay and that won't make us money and won't make us money but like you need like you need that to show that it doesn't work because if you don't have this body of evidence then companies in Cyprus Cyprus will be taken ballpark 15,000 of people just to go there for two weeks holiday and come back home with a pack of anticoagulants you know and uh, it's a pity that's that I can really understand that she it's regrettable She's that trying. these companies are not willing so to you- put in the money. You believe yeah. that sh- that she's telling the truth there that I think not- she I think she might be telling the truth. I think she sounds genuine. But and I suppose then- for
0: one person on their own it's tough to like yeah. convince a, a whole
1: conglomerate of pharma companies. So But like the lads or people who are setting up these companies now to bring people in and you you know, filter their blood through for fifteen thousand euro, that's a scam. That's yeah. that's grifters. But like, I think she like, she had a hypothesis, bit outrageous, bit out there, but but she didn't charge people when she did it in Germany. I think she's genuine. And it's a pity that there is no funds or she doesn't have partners that have enough money to facilitate this clinical trial, regardless of what would be the outcome. Once mm. the data is there, then then she can drop it or she can pursue it further, you know? yeah yeah um, so that, that's i feel i feel for her
0: yeah so and, and then just to finish up on it um uh, from the uh, final perspective um some patients but like as you mentioned with the trials some patients debilitated by long covid said they can't wait years for the results of trials and one respiratory doctor who is now long covid who had a had long COVID, said doctors should consider off-label prescribing of drugs such as anticoagulants after an informed discussions with the patients, know about the risks and the limitations potentially of the benefits. He said, we need to get out of the slavish adherence to guidelines. Doctors need to grow a bit of a spine and just go, okay, others have done this. They found it helpful. Let's think outside the box and offer a trial of treatment to their patients and see if they benefit from this. He spoke about his experience of aphoresis on television interviews and on YouTube videos. He received 21 rounds of aphoresis at her clinic. He said it and he said it improved his symptoms greatly. He spent 40,000 pounds on aphoresis, private prescriptions, including this triple anticoagulation therapy, and other complementary treatments such as this cranial osteopathy and breath work. All these rules about evidence-based medicine and trials—they go out the window when you're facing a future in a darkened room and a life of disability. He wants to see research being carried out more quickly. Nobody should have to travel abroad for treatment using their life savings. So,
1: what do you think? Yeah, but when you become a physician, you say, uh, "Do not, do not, do not harm." And but they
0: point to the fact they say it isn't harmful. The only risk is that you might bleed out, or you ha- there is a potential for bleeding. How like, can you
1: how can you belittle a risk of bleeding out? It's but they like, would
0: see it as an acceptable risk in this
1: situation. If you, but he, as I think he says, is like if they know the risk. And I also don't think that saying that the physicians need to grow a spine, <laughs> like no, no, that's that's just an overstatement that he probably used to kind of oversell his story. Look, it's a, difficult, it's a difficult thing to answer because at the end of the day, these patients are suffering from symptoms. They don't know what's going on. And not only they don't know it, like the whole scientific community is still not sure of what's going on with them. Mm. It's just so difficult to say, to to give you like just black and white answer whether yeah, yes, it, go ahead or no, don't do it should it be left up to the patient if uh, if the they patient truly understand the the risks versus do they the ever benefits know the risks? <laughs> isn't that it? like i
0: like it doesn't matter I, I think if you're desperate enough you it doesn't really ma- you're, you'll never really understand the risks and you'll always overestimate the
1: benefits and yeah but then, the then as a physician th- are you are you allowed to like disagree with the patient wishes yeah. following following your Experience and, and admittedly a greater knowledge. Yeah, and are they just gonna go somewhere else. Because knows, if you're looking uh, just for a physician, thing. yeah, who's gonna say yes to everything? Then so what? What did you go to med school like? If if it's a patient who did dictates, but the way i say if you st- if you said no to them, they could just be like, right, I'm going to get these
0: anticoagulants myself. I'm going to order them and I'm doing it themselves. So maybe it could be safer. I don't know in a supervised setting okay, but think, then but like you could say that about any th- drug I suppose if the drug but gets-
1: what is the supervised setting like is that is that gonna uh, cost money to set up is that gonna is what kind of logistics like what are the logistics mm-hmm. of supervised setting like what do you mean by so is it a nurse coming in and administering these drugs and monitoring the, these patients who are like which I assume it's gonna be like a, a prolonged uh, exposure to anticoagulants is uh, so these these nurses we think can probably like they would have to visit the patients in, in, in the time of months. I suppose it more like you have to get, as well. They have to get their bloods monitored all the time. For, who's gonna pay for that? Yeah,
0: like especially government. in states. <laughs> uh, so yeah. that's
1: another government government funded initiative. So then you're gonna have like let's say, cancer activists saying that like during the COVID, loads of uh, treatment for cancer was stopped because of the lockdown, because of that. So and now they are an endangered group of patients because loads of cancer patients died over over the COVID because, you know, they couldn't access the treatment or they couldn't be treated in the hospitals, like, and they they are crisis group as well, like, and so why are we not caring now about them? Like, it's so logistically and politically complicated because when it when it boils down to the science, then yeah, it all sounds super easy, right? Let's just do this, this, this and that. But like it's not just science. It's it's how it's how the system, it's how the healthcare is being set up. Mm-hmm. So just by saying that we should create not- a, a safe environment for for people to try these experimental treatments, like it's kinda like it's a it's it, a nice it sentence that country, doesn't it, really mean anything. But it depends on the country. Maybe it's more like you can more, more easier to carry out in other some countries than others. The UK cannot hold on to a prime minister <laughs> for more than six weeks. And do you think they're gonna set up a long COVID? Not, it definitely <laughs> won't happen in Ireland before it to happen in in the UK. Like, I think the horrible thing is that the patients with the long COVID are still being left to fend by themselves. Yeah, and even even if you have like this uh, this um this german lady uh what was she had a very strong surname Ye, Jäger. Uh, um, Jäger, yeah uh, no it's not that's her first name oh yeah also, it is b be-
0: Beat... Be- yeah Jäger. is her first yeah. name um, Jäger.
1: so dr Jaeger, like she sounds genuine and i think she believes in her hypothesis yeah but there is like believe is not enough like there has to be There has to be some more evidence to it, evidence to it, like, and it's just Mm. not gonna happen overnight. And it's horrible because these people will suffer for much longer, and that's just that's just the truth of it. They will suffer. Mm. Nothing, nothing's gonna happen next month, and nothing's gonna happen in two months. Yeah. See, the thing
0: is, is like for me, uh, the way I look at it is is like, yeah, I think a lot of people can get this rehab care, and like that's the kind of thing to try and help in their recovery of their symptoms rather than like using drugs or a pharmaceutical option yeah. um because like maybe they can recover but like obviously it doesn't seem like it would be grip better if we had like a drug option that these long covid conditions can take in the meantime yeah. but it doesn't seem to be and i like this is what i i mentioned at the beginning i looked into clinical trial clinicaltrials.gov, trials.gov so it tells you all the clinical trials that oh, are yeah. happening and I was like, okay, what trials are doing right now? Because this is what they're saying we should be doing clinical trials. This is what to to like assess if uh, if it works or not. Uh, um, and so I wanted to see drugs that are actually being used. So what I I filter basically what dr- clinical trials they've finished recruiting, they're in the process of finishing up. What what drugs are out there that's been uh, done? What mm-hmm. are in the process? So there was only ten trials I could find okay uh and out of the 10 i think only one i would say is an actual uh that could be actually used that i would count as legit the rest i don't think are really that good it was actually one that was carried out in oxford it's this drug called axa 1125 and it's efficiency safety tolerability of this axa 1125 and fatigue after COVID 19 infection so And they're actually using a placebo and the drug. So I was like, okay, this seemed like the one trial that I was like, this could possibly tell you about a drug that could help in long COVID Mm -hmm. patients. The rest of these trials, like, one was like, uh, they were just on about, uh, like these, um, what's the word? Uh, Homeopathy, homeopathy treatments for treating um, uh, long COVID, like, I'm like, why are you trying to use they're like probiotics uh naltrexone which is like it's it's like a drug you know when people are withdrawing from um uh it's low dose sorry low dose naltrexone when people are withdrawing from drugs they usually take this there's a very controversial um low dose that supposedly has an effect in multi multi ms and it mm-hmm. can help in all these range of treatments. Again, it sounds a bit like one of these too good to be true. So I was like, "This sounds like crap." Um, there's another one. It was like Prospector, and I was trying to Google this up. Don't have no idea what this Prospector is, and it's being carried out in Russia. So I was like, "Okay, well, I don't think this is going to happen anytime." Prospecta. The results for this, and that was it. There's no other, no other real train. Um like drugs out there that that has been effective so like if i was a person with long covid looking at this i'd be like well there's nothing coming on stream anytime soon that i could take yeah but no wonder people are turning to this like i don't think anyone's putting enough money or time or effort into researching what could be used i suppose because they don't know what's causing it but it's just really disappointing that we're not like trying like companies aren't trying to repurpose or try and used established
1: to um look into it more like but as soon as something is gonna surface up from you know the fundamental trial. research done in the universities and stuff like the companies will jump on that but clearly nothing nothing it's of not significance have have emerged yet. Yeah. But like what bothers what still bothers me is that this poor woman has spent fifteen thousand. She quit her job, right? Because she couldn't work. Yeah. So she had like I don't know how rich she was or wasn't, but let's say she had like some savings, and out of the savings, she already spent fifteen thousand on two weeks holiday. No, well, uh, she was there for like uh, uh, two months, I think. Okay, like so two. Something. Sorry, but still, fifteen thousand out of her savings that she could use to manage her, like you know, unemployed life. Yeah, and uh, I think that's where the that's where the governments and local governments have the most to give right now to if these people like cannot work physically cannot work because of their condition they're in they should be supported because it's not like they just are couch potatoes and they just sitting down doing nothing like Mm. they are they clearly are suffering like is that would not would that not be some sort of a disability as well would that not fall into some disability allowances and stuff like that yeah, but I think that's not the issue I think they want to no but like for now this is like yeah, something should I be think done think, I think you know they what I mean? are
0: qualifying I think well I think in Ireland they would qualify for disability
1: because okay. they can't work I understand um, the urge of finding a treatment yeah, yeah, yeah. that they um, feel within but I suppose look, if we can't give them treatment we should facilitate the best mm. possible life they can get with mm. that disease going on while there is being researched on you know yeah 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 they yeah, should think, not be left for themselves. Yeah. But yeah. doing these crazy, expensive treatments, I just don't believe in that. You know. Yeah. How I it, think it, people need uh, to. Just, truth. Yeah, I think think people need to wait
0: for more ev- evidence to come out. I know it's tough. I'm just trying to give the info. People can take whatever they want to take from it. I think there's no right answer. If, if and and it's like it's tough. They shouldn't Wait, be left in for that situi- themselves. It shouldn't be. You shouldn't be in that situation. You should be able to get help from your lo- your local country or your government or yeah. your health system to to deal with this rather than having to go across the yeah. world to like get treatment. So, look, I think whatever you do, you have to be aware of the risk. Be aware of what the limitations are, uh, and just try and make an informed decision from that. And I don't think there's anything else I can. What did you say about it I so, unfortunately i, under, I, I unsta- understand your frustration um but like please don't invest your life savings into this treatment where it it more than likely might only
1: might not work so um, i mean if, if you're a billionaire do whatever you want right <laughs> yeah, but yeah, if, yeah if they actually are your life savings then it's so but at the same time it's so hard to say to someone don't do it if if they feel like this is the only thing they can do, like you know, yeah. yeah. Thanks for uh, completely eliminating <laughs> my hype.
0: <laughs> well, I think I, 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 but like it this is important. Is, this is the discussions I like to have where there's no right answer, and I'm like, I just, I, I really think, yeah, it's, uh, and I'm just trying to understand it, and uh, anyone who's suffering from it, best of luck. Hopefully, you can we can get through it. Something will come. I'm sure something more info will come out about this. I'm sure a lot of people are investigating it. And uh, yeah, that's all Mm -hmm. I'm going to say about (laughs)
1: long COVID and and experimental treatments. And, and probably uh, do look for like support groups because you know there is a power mm, when people yeah. are together. Probably avoid the apharesis association. <laughs> yeah. That's probably not the best. I would group. just
0: say stay away from any Facebook groups, maybe. <laughs> just <laughs> try and find it from an independent from your doctor who they know are groups maybe that have formed through that.
1: Yeah. I I <laughs> yeah. Aphoresis association. <laughs> Next thing you know, they'll be organizing conferences yeah um yeah well thanks for that evan no worries uh, that's um uh, it's Maybe really po- sobering because i even forgotten about long COVID people yeah yeah, yeah. It's, I it's, was, a, it's not everyone wants to move priority. on with their lives and there's still like yeah. these huge yeah. people
0: who are still there so
1: um it's hor- yeah. horrible but yeah thanks for bringing this to our attention yeah. and yeah. thanks this for is, showing um, us long episode i think today um i'm sure we might have to and what did and we easy. say? No longer
0: than an hour. No longer than an hour. Yeah.
1: Okay. People well,
0: want to hear about this.
1: But I, I, I want to hear us arguing. <laughs> yeah. And you shitting on my f- earlier story. Which yeah. Is, it's just fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, okay. So
0: that was today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something new. Um, and yeah, I hope you have a great day wherever the rest of you. Yes.
1: And enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You finished it. You got there. You got there. Yes, perfect. (laughs) Okay. So for me, stay skeptical and uh, see you next time.
0: Stay skeptical, guys. Bye. Bye.